When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Episode 21 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, we have another uh, another huge show, another huge week for Rovers upcoming. Uh, a significant result last weekend, which we'll get stuck into. Um, again, we're sponsored by the White Hag Brewing Company, and we're delighted to have them on board. Uh, also, uh, I mentioned for Barry Creed's listeners in Sligo and Dublin, um, they have come on board this week uh, for the next while to give us a bit of a a bit of support and we are very grateful for them so thanks a million to Barry Creed. Um, we speak to uh, Rafael Crotaro and we have an in-depth interview with him which goes on for about 45 minutes but it's all really good and um, we also speak to Aid McNeilis from Finn Harps um, he's heavily involved with the club up there and we talked to him ahead of Saturday's game with Finn Harps. So uh, last week we were all really positive going into the, the Shams game uh, more positive than some maybe or more emotional than some uh, but it was it was a great performance and um, I guess you know we get our shouts from the shed in but we just got a quick a quick uh, your initial thoughts or your, your your not your initial thoughts but just a brief summary of what you thought how, how you thought the game went Sean um, before we go into more detail after the shouts from the shed end were you um, were you happy with the performance but disappointed with the scoreline? Yeah, I'm as I put it in the um, after match reception on YouTube. Uh, I'm happily sick because I thought we'd nicked it. I really did. I thought we'd nicked it, but they got the equaliser. I think all in all, it, it was a fair result. Right. Okay, Magoo, I'll come to you last because obviously after your uh, call to arms last week, you've got a lot to say. But um, Jerry, your <laughs> your initial thoughts, or not your initial thoughts again, but your your thoughts um, now that the dust has settled a little bit. Yeah. Um, have, have your thoughts changed from directly after the game um, compared to what they are now? Not really. I'm still a little bit uh, disappointed. Um, I think off air there, I was just chatting like we were, we're four games in and we probably could have won the four of them really. Uh, we were a bit robbed against Dundalk and we're two minutes away from uh, beating Shams to, you know, to take the points. And I suppose... One reflection on the game is that uh, John Kenny only mentioned the weather about nine times, so I think that's a good indication of that it was a good game. Yeah. Only ninety-nine. Um, Magoo, did you get? You didn't get your statement victory, but did you get a statement performance? Um, I was saying this afterwards. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm still emotional, Connor. I'm, I'm got it. I still got it over. It, to be honest with you. Right. Okay. I got it. I, th- I, th- I thought. I thought last week um, we could do it. I thought. And then during the game, I thought it was there for taking for us, but you know, we just needed that extra little bit, and we couldn't find it. I suppose on Saturday night, but yeah. you know, I get at the end of the day, if Shams are the team to beat, we I think we show we can live with them anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, listen. Um, after every game, we look for your shout from the shed end, your impressions of how you thought Rovers played, and um, we're looking for about thirty seconds of a voice note 
and she can send into us via email podcast at borst.ie. So just state your name, give us your thoughts in about 20 or 30 seconds on the performance or players that stood out to you or how they could have done better or where there's room for improvement. And you send it to us via email podcast at borst.ie and we'll get them into next week's shouts from the shed end. So here are this week's shouts. Alan Kieran's here with a shout from the shed end. Season on season, you're only looking for an improvement. Shams came down here last year, took all three points. This year, they only took one. So let's look at that as progress. Front three, look at they didn't connect. We all saw that. But this is a new front three. They had to take time to gel. They've never played with each other before, so we're just going to be patient with them. Jordan Gibson, he's going to be a marked man from his season start. So it does show done a very good job on him. But I did like when he came into the middle. And I think he could be the key to unlock that link between midfield and the front three. So maybe watch this space and he might play a more central role. Stephen Bradley, quick word for him. Uh, listen to his chat with John Kenny after the game. And I wish him a speedy recovery from the bang in the head he obviously took given that interview. Because I don't know what game he was watching. Look at tough game on Saturday night. Harps are doing well. So let's hope he get three points at home. Shout from the shed end here from Dermot in Dublin. I just wanted to acknowledge Walter's efforts tonight. He was all over the pitch. About 20 minutes I was thinking he's going to burn himself out. He was non-stop. He carried on with it for the whole match, so it must be what Buckley and Bulger had in mind for him. Uh, when he took that shot at the goalkeeper, straight at him, I thought it was more of the same, like earlier, shooting from the halfway line. What are you playing at? Somehow it got in there. I was ecstatic, but I was really happy it was him that got it because... There was no one on the pitch more deserving than it. He put in great work and he inspired everyone. So, Figuera, man of the match for me. Cheers. Come on, a bit of red. How are you, lads? Conor May here. Um, I suppose it's a sign of the times that I would have been slightly disappointed with the 0-0 draw. And then I'm very disappointed with the 1-1 draw. It's the hope that kills you. Um, thought the back five and the two lads in midfield were great all night. Not a foot wrong. Uh, John Mahon and Gary Buckley were strolling around a place like Village and Ferdinand there. Not a bother to them. Um, Horgan has very quickly become my favourite player he hardly puts a foot wrong he's always in the right place at the right time and he, he makes great decisions um, Niall was excellent as per usual and I thought Greg controlled midfield I always thought he was an absolute prick when he played against us but uh, he's our prick now so I'm a big fan of that so the decision making at front four especially in the second half was horrendous didn't even see the goal as I was turning away in disgust another bad decision and I had to let out a little shriek of delight when I realised that I went in um, so that decision making and along with the set pieces needs a huge amount of improvement. All in all though, it's great to be unbeaten still. And if we play like that, like especially like we did in the first half, we'll, uh, we won't be beaten by too many teams. Finally, I just want to say, keep it up with the podcast lads, it's great stuff. It's the most connected I've felt to the club in all the years I've been away. And um, I enjoyed the post-match stuff too, so cheers for that. Keep it late. So good to hear some uh, new voices there. We had uh, Connor May, who was... Uh, was um... He was coming to us from Dubai, I think, or the Abu Dhabi. Um, on that what note, no, oh, that's Eamon. That... That's Eamon, yeah, yeah. Are, brothers, are they? Yeah, yeah. You get it right one of these days. <laughs> yeah, we always get it fixed up. <laughs> so, um, listen, great to have uh, great to have new voices in there. And um, so, going back to what Dermot was saying, he was he obviously Figueroa scored Figueroa scored the goal, uh, an incredible mistake by by Manus and like that I'd seen the effort, the initial effort the ball leaving Figueroa's foot uh, Magoo but it uh, I turned away, it's like what, what, what's that about? Only to turn back to see the ball in the net it was, 
hard to understand really what was happening, what was going through the both of your minds. Uh, no, I couldn't believe it. I was, uh, as the same as same as he was saying in the shouts there, I was about to have a go at him, and then I saw this thing squirm into the net like and let a yet an awful yelp. We ran around the kitchen. Dog nearly shit herself here. <laughs> she, she didn't know what was happening, but um, yeah, you don't see managers make too many mistakes like that. It's just got we couldn't hold on to it really, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know when you get when you get given the goal like that, especially you think maybe maybe this might be our day. Like I was, that's all we had. Jeez, we're going to beat them. It's actually going to, but. Yeah, Give me a sloppy, shitty goal again, and you know it's just gotten it was got us. Just um, probably, probably the fact that like I, if it if it finished nil nil, I don't think I'd be as disappointed. I would have just said, oh, it's fair enough result stuff. But it's the fact that we went ahead and we got a, a goal like that, a lucky goal. You think maybe this is our day? The, the luck's on our side and stuff, and then just to give away the goal we did too. Like you wouldn't mind if it was the one like Burke scored last night where. It was a great goal, a half a line or something, just to give away the shitty goal that we did when yeah. when the defense was playing so well. Yeah, you know we come we come back we come back to the goal in a second. Um, but what about the overall performance, Jerry? Was it uh, was it what you anticipated they were going to put in? Yeah, it, um, we 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 had a slightly different shape to it uh, in that we had kind of a back six and a front four, uh, and we played a four two three one. Um, with Johnny up front, felt he was a little bit isolated. Um, with with the three behind him, uh, Walter moved out to the left, but I think that's needed him more. Just probably, um, I think uh, between as the lads were pointing out there, between uh, attack was a little bit disjointed. Uh, Romeo, you know, his ball retention. I know I talk about this a lot. It wasn't great, but look at the end of the day, the effort. Uh, that the lads put in was phenomenal. They were first every second ball, every 50-50. You couldn't uh, fault them for effort and they played good football in between. Um, I'd just like to maybe for the, for the next game, I think either Romeo or Johnny needs to play up top. Um, and then you can rotate the three then behind behind them. Um, I think we're really... We're really lacking uh, DeFries at the moment and I just hope he gets... Uh, Hope we get him as fit as as, as soon as possible because uh, I think we're missing miss, missing him as the link player. Yeah, uh, Sean, what do you think the team went out to? What do you think Rovers went out to do? Did they go out there to nullify Shams or did they go out there to take them on? I think they came out with a bit of both. To be honest with you, I think when you look at it tactically, we were we were set up perfectly. I think Buckley had Bradley's number anyway on the day. Um, and then when we were in possession ourselves, I thought we were very, very dangerous. We just couldn't link it together in the final third. I think that's where we struggled big time. Um, playing out from the back, we were excellent. We were playing through the midfield. We were finding wee pockets, uh, but we just couldn't. We were finding Walter out wide on the left an awful lot. We obviously went to expose that right-hand channel there where Finn is obviously going to be more attacking than he is defensive. As a right as a right ring back, and I think Lee Grace was playing on the right hand side of the back three, and we were going to expose him even. And in fairness, Alan Cawley pointed that out as well on the pod. And I think we did expose it, but we just could never find that final ball. Yeah, um, on Twitter, and it was retweeted by the um, Rovers Dublin supporters um, lads. Um, Irish football blogs. He did a this guy did a bit of analysis on the game, and he's kind of some nice graphics and stuff like that. Obviously, Kenny got he was he was too separated from everything else that was yeah. going on in the pitch. 
Um, but according to uh, my Irish football blog, he said that Romeo's job, according to him, was to nullify McCann in the middle of the park. And he, he was dropped, he was forced back into the middle of the pitch. Uh, and he completely, which, which pushed McCann from time to time into the, the Shams back forward to, um, to try and look for, for, for balls. Would any of you agree with that as a, re- as a reason for Kenny to be disconnected from the rest of the team? I mean, he became well, I, I think it's, I think Walter was moved over to the left to nullify Finn waiting forward what I would have been because you get more work out of him than Romeo probably so I would say that was probably more of a reason of the lineup rather than Romeo going into nullify McCann plus as well that would be, like, be my take on it anyway but, uh, you know that like at the end of the day Romeo is an attacking player and one of our best attacking players so look I imagine he was deployed to, to that uh, that role but at the same time too uh, his dual role would be to get forward and, and link the play and I don't think he would have linked sausages there the last day. To be honest. Yeah, but but I don't think he can play number ten. To be honest with you, Romeo, he don't. I don't like. Is he doesn't want to be playing with his back to goal? And a lot of the time you're playing, you're playing against the bigger teams, and they have more possession. So you're playing up there. You're going to be playing a lot of it with your back to goal. Yeah, and and. But like Gibson was reasonably quiet from an attacking point of view as well. I mean. I, I do get, I do tend to agree with um, what this guy Irish football blog was saying because I do think there was a lot of work on Finn and Finn on, on one side and uh, Mandreo and um, and uh, who was wide the other side Kavanaugh was it Kavanaugh yeah um, to to try and keep them quiet you know yeah well I thought Kavanaugh done a very good job on Gibson in fairness and also scales coming across. He's, all, he's, a, he's an excellent centre half as it is um, Gibson was nullified to a certain degree but I also felt when he got on the ball he looked exciting he looked like he could actually make it happen I think he he danced around Kavanaugh once in the first half yeah, and yeah. he got into a great position but the final ball again wasn't what we needed uh, I thought also we stopped Kavanaugh Kavanaugh's an exciting left wing back excellent footballer but couldn't actually do anything. He couldn't get by Colm Horgan. Colm Horgan put him in his pocket all game. Yeah, um, look, I think uh, just looking at the stats there, Connor, I, I added up. There's been 40 fixtures played. Uh, is it 40? No, 20 fixtures, sorry, played so far this season. 17 of the games have been either a draw or a one-goal win. There's only been three games where there's been um, more than two goals of a deficit. I think every game is going to be very, very tight. It's going to be nip and tuck the whole way. And I think we'll see a lot of games like what we've seen on Saturday where teams are kind of set up to nullify each other and try and nick a game by a goal. And mm. I think you'll see a lot of that through the season. Because with a 10-team division, every team, you know, is pretty decent. There's no real weak link in the in the division. And uh, I think the only one you'll really see uh, maybe being cut adrift, and I said this in the first show, is Longford. And uh, I wasn't surprised to see them get that 4-0 at the weekend. Okay, um, we'll go back to the back to the, the game at hand. Um, Sean, the the way we can see the goal was pretty disappointing. Uh, Gannon comes on as a sub, and um, obviously he wants to play. He wants to really play in the opposition's half, and he gets into our half and plays the ball straight into the box. It was kind of it was a bit of a nothing ball. I don't know if it was meant for anybody or if it was a bit of a hit and hope, but it should never have got that far into the box in the first place. I, I kind of feel anyway. No, I'd agree with you, Connor. I think we retreated a little bit too much. 
Um, I think we panicked. I think we were, we kind of, we didn't have enough belief in ourselves because I think if we had kept playing the way we, the way we had, we would have seen the game out. I think we were comfortable enough. They weren't causing us any problems. But retreating the way we did allowed Gannon to step on them extra couple of yards and get across into the box. And then from there on in, it's just a mess. It's a, it goes everywhere. And then nine times out of 10, it takes a deflection off John Madden and goes out for a corner. Instead, this time it ends up in the back of the net. Yeah, it was pinball. And it was, I mean, our goal was lucky. Their goal was lucky as well, I suppose, from, from close range. Um, but disappointed nonetheless. Um, as you had said, Jerry, I mean, I, I kind of, after what happened in the, the first game, the, the draw against Dundalk, I felt that we, again, we should have, by rights, have taken three points for it. I thought this was our opportunity. This is the, us getting a bit of the rub of the green. Um, but overall, I guess, you know, Shamrock Rovers are not going to run away with this this league this season um, like they did in the in the reduced season last year. I think I think we're, we're all agreed on that at this stage. There's, we went toe to toe with them, and there was very little between us and them. I mean, is that is that the consensus at the end of it, Jeff? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I think we, I think we more than took the game to them. I think for large parts we were actually the better side. Um, I'm not sure we can go to Stephen Bradley as well in the in comments. Stage, yeah, yeah. The comments he made after the game, I thought, were absolutely atrocious. And they were very Sunday league, if you ask me, of a manager coming out. He didn't see the game. He, yeah. he may as well have been watching the telly or something because well, he, he wasn't he, watching that game. He said Derry were great after the Derry game. So he, he's clearly worried about Rovers. Yeah. 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 And it's just, and it's total, it's total deflecting about his own team's performance too. And to show the lack of respect he has for his own supporters that he come out and say something like that and expect them to believe it after sitting through 90 minutes of the game. Like, what well, funny, was he taking him? Magoo, you say that about their supporters. I actually seen it online from a few of them, and they were laughing, mm-hmm. actually saying, "What's this lunatic on about?" Yeah, like he's like, Some, uh, you know, how much how much respect does he has for him? He's only deflecting from his own. If 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 there's no chances to win two games, then why didn't they win the game? Yeah, did <laughs> yeah. two shots on target, yeah. three shots on target. That, Sorry, did three shots on and, target. And then it goes it goes back to his management. Then so why didn't he sign the centre forward in the summer? Yeah, and why can't he not set up a team? That creates them chances before the goal goal down, but they don't have to play a gung ho football. President's Cup, Pats, us, the goal goal down didn't start creating chances. He's only done a total deflection thing, wanker. I watched, I watched the uh, the Derry game, the Shams Derry game last night, and I think Shams uh, made five changes from the team that played us. Yeah. The team that played us was their best 11 bar, Pika Lopez. Um, and they beat Derry last night, so I don't really know what Bradley is on about. And obviously, he is fearful of Sligo Rovers because that was their best 11. And he rested five players then to play Derry City last night and still won 2 0. So I think he's talking out of his hat. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll get uh, we'll get stuck into um, Rafa Cotaro who joins us for this episode. We have a great chat with him, a good in depth chat about his career, um, all his highs and lows, a lot of highs. Uh, the different clubs that he, he ended up playing for across the league. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we ran a competition during the Shamrock Rovers games um, in uh, in the court in uh, alongside our sponsors, our new sponsors, the White Hag. And we asked people to uh, post a picture to Twitter and tag ourselves, uh, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust, and also to tra- tag the White Hag. And um, our competitions committee met. Um, we had extensive conversations. Um, we deliberated deliberated and uh, we came up with a winner so the winner for um for last week's competition during the summer Rovers game was griff mcmanus who posted a picture of 
you know, it was engineering genius as far as I could see involving uh, white hag cans. Um, so he'll be getting a, a case of white hag beer. We're going to have a, have to have a little uh, conversation on the hoop here, lads. So are we going to do something similar for the Harps game? I think why yeah. not, yeah. Why not, yeah. Works well. I think, um, but also to say, you know, I, mean, I know people of all ages listen to the podcast. Uh, in order for you to be in with a chance to win, um, obviously you've got to be over eight, but your, uh, your, um, photo, your photographs that you post during the game do not necessarily have to feature cans of uh, white hag, but you can just get inventive uh, post pictures of you in your rover's case or whatever it might be. So just post a picture during the Finn Harps game on Saturday uh, to our Twitter account or tag us and tag the white hag and um, the competitions committee will again meet during the week and um, we'll deliberate and come out with another winner. So thanks a million to um, the White Hag. So that's another crate of beer that we're going to give away during the, um, the Pet Hearts game uh, on Saturday. Uh, so more of the same and thanks a million to the White Hag. Okay, so uh, we spoke at length to Rafael Cotero. What was the first thing we asked him? We asked him about... Um, um, does he miss playing? What's that, Magoo? Does he miss, does he miss being... Yes. Playing. Does he miss? Does he miss his time as a professional footballer? Yeah. Well, look. I think it's looking at it, and, and like I said to you there earlier on, you know, I thought I'd miss it more than I have. I think I was really in in a place where I knew that last season was going to be my last season, and probably COVID probably really, really kind of prepared me for the whole retirement thing because. There was such a kind of period there, you know, of, of, of nearly six months where there was no football. And I got to spend a lot of time at home where it was the first time for me I'd actually gotten to spend that kind of time at home. Now, I'm usually on the road doing something, whether I'm traveling to Bloody Cork or Waterford or doing something. So it really kind of prepared me for the whole um, retirement thing. So I think I was ready. And, and like I said, I don't miss it as much as I thought I would. I really enjoy now going and watching uh, and I, I really can't wait for the fans to be allowed back into games. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to make a massive difference to everybody. But no, I don't miss it yet. But like I said, when, when Rovers and Herbs are, are challenging for titles, then I might be saying, I wish I was on the pitch, you know, that, that sense. So how do you do and since, since you yeah, hung up the boots? I know um, I play a bit of football. Well, we're not in lockdown up in the sports complex. And I see you involved with... Um, Travelers groups uh, doing sessions with them. So, what what else are you doing, uh, football wise or sports wise, uh, since you've um, been? Yeah, Connor, um, d- doing lots of stuff. Uh, obviously, as much as COVID's kind of letting me do, like you said, I, I'm up uh, in sports complex with Traveler Group. Uh, you know, great group, fantastic. They're great. They're mighty crack. You know, um, both the, the the men and the women. So. We've been introduced now uh, with Zoom sessions for, for the ladies as well. So, you know, it's all, it's all good and all go. Um, and like I said, what, what COVID is allowing us to do is obviously embrace technology, uh, the Zoom sessions. So everybody's doing them now. But uh, before that, um, you know, the, one, the one-to-ones and uh, the small groups I was kind of taking and, and, and little projects kind of here in South Sligo and in, in Sligo itself um, with... Uh, a project that I'm doing street football, very similar to football you would have played in the street as a kid, um, with tiny little goals, no goalkeepers, um, and and you know it, it, it improves a lot of things you know in, in their game, whether it's passing or shooting from long range, it, you know trying to hit the, the small goals, but it's all kind of skills based. So 
stuff like that. And, you know, I keep busy, as they'd say. Um, no. And I'm playing, uh, play, playing a bit of football as well for Ray October now as well. So back back to the roots, as they'd say. Well, on on um, your roots and, and Tober Curry, you know, interestingly, we spoke with Alan Cawley on the podcast last week and um, we had a chat about, you know, the academies that obviously all the League of Ireland clubs have and, you know, whether um, the, you know, the installation or the establishment of all these academies is the right way to go. Um, but wh- where did you start playing your football? Like, or even like before Rio Tubber, were you playing football on the street or, or how did that start? And the second part of the question was football then always a goal, playing as make a living? Was that always a goal then? Yeah, no, nah, like my mother like had to drag me in off the street uh, at 10 o'clock at night. Like, um, we, I grew up here in the middle of the town in Tubber. So the chipper, obviously, we lived over the chipper. So I was down in the square, which is the middle of Tubber, where they had a little gra- a green there and in the, there, and a couple of the lads that lived in the town. We were there like from 10 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. The only time my mother ever seen me is when I'd come in for a burger or chips or something to, to keep me fed when I was hungry. Do you know what I mean? That was the only time they'd seen me. But um, uh, like you don't really see that now. Look, there wasn't as many cares on the road back then as there is now. If, if I did that now or my son did that, he'd be killed on the road. You know, there was no there was no cares. You could there might be you might see a care coming down the hill or on the road for five or ten minutes, whereas now like just the road's too busy. The, the kids wouldn't be able to do it like they, they would back then. Um, so, no, but ne- never was without without the football, you know, whether it was down in the square there or whether it was in any of the estates around, uh, around the town where we used to kind of have the townies be Mountain View Estate or the Balna Road or something like that, you know. So it was, it was all good, but com- compared to what you see now, and, and I kind of, when I'm driving into an estate now, and I see a lot of kids, you know, playing on the green. I'm like, wow, Jesus, this this is unbelievable. You know, it's very, very rare you see it. So you're kind of stopping and you're looking and you're, and you're seeing them in action and, and doing their bits and pieces. And you'd love to see more of it, you know. And like, we, we had jumpers put down. Now, most, most estates you'll go into now have proper big goals with nets and everything. Like, we had jumpers put down. So, you know, there's, there's probably, even some of the estates you go in now have even astroturfs in them. You know, so there's great facilities for them to, to be out. But obviously, since since we were growing up, the PlayStation and the, the Xboxes and all these have all come out. And that's, that's taken a little bit away from it as well, you know. And the street football that you're involved in now or that you're, you're helping to deliver, is that coached football or is it just let them play? I let them play. No, no coaching. So the only bit, bit of coaching, what, what we might throw is that's going to be game-based. So instead of putting the ball down and passing it in, we, we teach the younger ones how to do a throwing. So teach them from six, five, six years of age the correct way to do a throwing. Instead of spotting the ball down and passing it in, we get them to do the correct way. But other than that, there's no stoppages in, in the, the hour, the hour and a half that they're there. They're there, four different teams, five different teams. They all play each other um, and... They love it. It's 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 great way. Like, there's no point in me stopping it and saying, "Well, this is how you do that." Just let them play. Let them enjoy it. That's how that's how they learn is when they're enjoying it and having fun. So, Raf, I suppose um, you signed for Tommy Casty in, in 2000. You made your debut in a three-nil win win away to Monaghan, and yeah, you, you scored a goal. That must have been an unreal feeling. 
unbelievable journey. Um, still remember it, you know, remember the very, very first session that I ever, you know, went to uh, for Rovers. Uh, like you said, Tommy Cassidy brought myself and Michael McNamara in. I think we arrived a good hour before the, the session was to start. <laughs> no sign of a ball. We were at the Sligo race course, me and, and Michael Mack, chatting away for a good hour before, you know. No sign of everyone. The lads all strolled up five or ten minutes beforehand. No sign of a ball or anything. And we just run around the Sligo race course for an hour and a half. I will never forget it. I'll never forget it. Probably the hardest session I would have did then, you know, um, as a youngster. Now, I was fit enough and able, but by God, I wasn't prepared for what, what, what we were going to do that day. You know, the likes of Steve Burks, Eagle Zane, um, players like that, you know, the, the old heads that I probably would have watched as a young lad, you know. Raf, you had a brief spell as well at Galway and then you came back. Was it under all reared and you came back then? Uh, it was under, I think it was Rob McDonald that I came back in 2007 under. Oh, Jesus, Rob uh, McDonald. And then obviously, yeah, Rob, Rob uh, didn't uh, stay, obviously, uh, pre-season. I think it was Cookie then that came in then uh, after Rob uh, in 2007. Cookie was, you know, came in. And that was obviously the, the start of, of the kind of build-up to the, the golden era, as they, they'd say, but... Yeah, 2006 went to Galway for a year. A, a different, a different challenge. Um, but it was again a club like Galway, Herbs, clubs like that are are very much home. You know, they're they're very like a Rovers area. You know, the setup, community based. You know, ran. So to me, it was like kind of home. Was treated very, very well down there by by everybody. You know, there were fantastic people down there. And to be fair. They wanted to keep me for another year down there, but as soon as Rovers, you know, kind of had talked to me about coming back, I jumped at the opportunity to come back, you know. Um, so, obviously, when um, when Rob got on to me, it was just a case of, here, show me where to sign, I'll sign it, I'll be back in a shot, no problem. Uh, so, you, you played across, you played uh, Rovers, obviously, Galway, Bulls, uh, Harps, uh, I'm, I'm missing it. That's it, isn't it? That's uh, it. Yeah, pretty so, much. Um, when when were you, were you, when did you play your best football? Do you think, and you know, and for which club? I, I would would it be fair to say around the 2009 season? Uh, yeah, the, pro- probably the best football I played was probably under under Cookie. Um, when 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 Cookie kind of came in, two, 2009 was by far probably me my best season well definitely my best season in front of goal anyways um, you got but, 21 goals that season yeah I think it was look I, I'm not 100% sure I think in all competitions it was 20 goals or something like that and yeah. um, so that was a great tally for me who wasn't kind of a prolific striker by any means at that stage but Cookie you know had given me an awful lot of confidence you know uh, when he came in, he, he really kind of made me feel, as he did everybody else, really made them feel like they were important. And, you know, he'd have you aside and he'd have his arm around you. Hey, mate, I'm building my team around you, lad. <laughs> you know? but, but, he, but the thing is, he'd be saying that to you and he'd be telling uh, Blinks there behind him, then five minutes later, the same thing, you know. But he made you feel like a million dollars, you know. And I think that's how we got the best out of everybody, you know, when he, when he was here. And just uh, before the lads jump in as well, 
what was um, like not, not the most successful? What, what was the best team that you played with? And maybe it was under 12s or Real Tubber. Or, but what, like, where, where, where did you have the most fun playing football? Uh, look, for me, obviously, the, the best football and the, the best teams I was involved was obviously the golden era of, of, of Slider Rovers, you know. Look, you, you see the, the, the players that were there, you know, not only the players, the people as well that were there helping out and, and running things and doing everything. Unbelievable. Like, that, that's, that's, like, in 2012, for me, my, my most memorable year in football will, will be that year. And I didn't even play a whole lot uh, in 2012. It was only when, when Rami Bako left to go to Acre, Acre that I really kind of played the last 10 games regularly. So, you know, you had myself, Keith, Keith, uh, not Keith Lynch, Lee, Lee Lynch, who were kind of fringe players at that stage, you know, kind of coming on. And if there was a suspension or something like that, we, you know, we might start. But we weren't regulars in the team. And it was only the last maybe 10 games for me, like I said, when Bako moved to Aki, that I really kind of, was more uh, a feature player then that I was playing regularly. And I think, you know, Barra, look, Barra was very, very good to me. And I remember him kind of saying at the end of the season, the last 10 games, I think I got six goals in the last 10 games in the running. And, you know, for me, those 10 games were probably some of the most memorable games for me as a player. Um, but not only as a player, but as a supporter as well to see, because what we went on and did that year, was you know something that the club hadn't achieved in thirty three years, thirty six years. Mm-hmm. So for me, my best my best year in football was that year winning a league title with my my hometown club. What what were your memories of that day against Pats? You know, maybe before the game, obviously the anticipation. Um, like it was, it's almost like it was written in the stars that we'd win it on that particular day. Although. It was touch and go after after your two goals, but I suppose the build up to the game. You know, what do you remember, or do you have memories about what the team was like? Like, was there anticipation within the squad? Because you know they were building uh, makeshift stands down the, the Nazareth House end, and all that that was going on. Um, so, was there an anticipation within the within the squad within the team? I'll be honest with you. Know, I, I think in two thousand and twelve, I don't think anything could have disrupted us from winning the league title. I think we we knew we knew in 2012 that we had everything in place to go and win a league title. Um, we we were so confident that you know no, whatever happened, like you said, the stands going up, there was nothing that was going to dis- distract us from from any of the games you know that we were going to be involved in. That we, we were so focused on the job in hand. Um, you know, like I said, we were so we were that confident that we were coming in with our with our gear for toffs on a Saturday night <laughs> uh, before before the game before the game started. So we knew we were going to win and go be celebrating in toffs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know when uh, right you scored the first two goals in that game to put us two up against Pats, and uh, they came back to two all. You must have had a bit of a doubt at that stage because I know I did. I was like, oh no, we're after blowing it. I think we, we still knew we had a chance. Obviously, you know, you're 2-0 up before halftime. You know they're going to come out fighting. You know, like our team talk at halftime, I'll, I'll never forget it was, look, match them for the first five or ten minutes. You know, don't, you know, for, next goal is important. You know, obviously, if we had gotten the next goal, game over, totally. You know, there was never going to be any way of them getting back. But 
they, yeah. they scored quite early in the second half and that gave them a little bit of a lift. Uh, the second goal then was a little bit, you know, of a deflection from Ross Gaynor, I think, that took a pass, Gary Rogers. And then you're at two all and you're thinking, right, I can remember all, all that season, we'd gotten so much luck, even in the first maybe three or four games, I remember set pieces scoring in the, in the 90th minute, 92nd minute, 94th minute, I think at home to UCD. Um, so we had gotten the rub of the green all that season. And Jesus, one last time, the day you need it most, you, you get it like a, a dubious handball, to say the least. <laughs> Our friend David <laughs> But, like, they're decisions you don't get. When you're at the bottom of the table, you don't get decisions like that. Like, But the fact that we were at home, uh, a packed full house, it was going for the league, it couldn't, have, it couldn't have been written any other way. Like, And, Jesus, look, no better man to step up and take the win at penalty than Quiggs. If he was any more relaxed, he'd have fell over. Like. <laughs> but, so I remember that, I remember that about... night, you know, when you go on about, say, uh, how you were, had your outfits ready to go out after the game and all that? I remember that night he was wearing a leopard print uh, shirt. I never <laughs> seen a man wearing a leopard print shirt ten years ago. Never mind now. No. You could have seen him wearing it, the stuff he used to come in with. There's no one else could pull it off but him. Yeah. Anyone else? If I came in in anything like that, the boys had absolutely ripped the fucking shirt out. <laughs> I tell you what, he could get away with it. The only man that would ever get away with it is him. No one else. So just Raph. Go on, go on, Sean. Sorry. Sorry. Raf, just to take um just to take it right back as well. When you first came into Rovers, you talk about experienced players and that. Were the experienced players influential to you when you came in first? Or was there a divide of kind of locals within the dressing room and then the kind of the English and Scottish lads? Was there that kind of divide or were the older guys helping out? Uh, hey, Hutchie was good to me. Was he telling you to get on to me, was he? <laughs> 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 no, nah, hey, no, nah, seriously, all messing aside, to, to be fair, Berksy and um, what do you call it, Ian Gilzine. And Ian Gilzine especially, I've, I've, a, I've a big place in my heart for him because I was a young kid, 17, came into the dressing room and, and, and Ian kind of took me under his wing a little bit, you know. Obviously, I don't know, was it that he said, look, he's a young lad, he'll come in, you know, make him feel welcome and, and just make him feel good in general. So I was made feel as welcome as, as could possibly be. I remember Gilly asking um, the manager then, Tommy Cassidy, uh, could I room with him? You know what I mean? So, and, and he'd be telling me, he'd be looking at, you know, how he'd look after himself, what he'd be doing the night before, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So he really kind of helped me in that sense, you know, of of kind of as a young lad coming into a senior dressing room. And you had Berksy as well, who would give you a little rocket when you need it. But at the same time, if you got a, if you got a kick from, from one of the, the other teams, Berksy would give you the look, don't worry, I'll look after him, mate. You know, that kind of way. So, no, there was, there was great characters in the dressing rooms. And then, obviously, I played with Hutchie maybe a year or two later then, you know, when, um, when Don O'Reardon brought him back, uh, you know. And, obviously, I struck up a, a great friendship with Hutchie. Uh, obviously, stayed one or two nights in his house <laughs> after matches. So, um, you know, great memories, fantastic memories with, with great people. Can we bring it? Fast forward again to, to that day uh, against Pats and th uh, the first goal that you scored, uh, like an incredible goal, uh, like and to to 
you know, to score a goal of uh, such excellence on such a day. What are your memories about the goal? The ball, who played, can you remember who played the ball into you? I'm sure you know, you remember this, stage. Pazzo, my old friend, played a great ball, but there was a great, there was great build-up play to it. Um, I, I can remember, I think, Kenny Brown or, or one of them belting the ball up miles in the air and Mark Quigley kind of taking it down. And that kind of where it, it kind of rolled from there. He took it down and knocked it, I think, back to one of the centre halves. I think it went out to Ross Gaynor, then into Pazzo, back again, and then Ross zipped it in, in into Pazzo. But Quiggs, Quiggs had a great kind of knack of, of dropping in as a num, you know, a number, a false nine, as you know, in between the lines, as they'd say. But that always left great space for the two wingers to come in. But obviously the build-up was on Pazzo's side, so he was kind of involved in the in the build-up. So I seen Quiggs dropping, and we I always used to kind of take his centre forward position then. And it was quite, I won't say by chance, it was a fantastic ball uh, from Pazzo into me. And I got it on the half turn. After that, and I'm not just saying it, after that, I can't remember a whole lot because it was just totally off the cuff. I met, I met, threw it under Ian Birmingham's and, hands legs. And then I thought, I'm not, I'm not getting on the end of this. But me, I managed to get on the end of it anyways. I put it under um, Barry uh, Murphy's legs. And sure, look, if, if there was gates there, I would have ran out the gates away back to Tom Curry. That's the truth after that first goal. But no, look, probably my, my proudest moment, you know, in, in, in football, definitely. For me, that day just had everything and anyone that has asked me and any podcast or anything I've done I always come back to that moment you know that's yeah. that for me is my best moment in football yeah the second goal that you scored uh, like Barry Murphy must it's a, it's a corner Murphy must look over his shoulder he sees you at the back post he must think not going to worry about that but, <laughs> but it, it ends up back there deflects off pairs of someone does it this is one we worked on actually uh, we, we had tried this a couple of times throughout the season and uh, so Piersy had run for the first post for a little flick on, and I peel around to the back uh, post. So we tried it a load of times, but so, you know, a few times Piersy's with the big meat head and end up putting it over the bear or somewhere like that. But Jesus, what what a day for it to work! I remember him just look getting me. You know, he says, "The one we do, the one we do, nod at me. The one we do, we saying like that." So we're nice and close and and, and compact. He's just shot to the back, back post. Someone has blocked Ger O'Brien for me, and I just ran off him. And so the ball has fell to me with no one within five yards at the back post. And I'm kind of waiting for the ball here to come down to me, thinking, oh, here we go, here we go. And I just about got enough on it to get it in anyways. And again, sure, then I was ready to take off the shirt then at that stage, you know? Yeah, yeah. Up, you know, so. But no, Jesus, again, for me... A great moment, a great moment in, 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 you, in one that I won't forget. Did you not try and get your hands on the penalty for the hat trick? No, Jesus, I had no none whatsoever. I, I was actually for the last, I think, 10 minutes. I played, I think, Jeff, Jeff Henderson went off at that stage, uh, and I was reverted to right back, um, at that stage. And there was never, there was, I'll be honest with you, there wasn't anyone getting that ball off quicks, even if I says, you know, lad. Do you want me to take it? Which I had no interest in taking anyways, but you wouldn't have got it off him. He, it was, he was destined to take it. And like I said, there wouldn't be anyone as calm or as relaxed as him now to take that. You know, He knew he was going to score. He was so confident you know, in, in, in situations like that. I, I, think, I think 
remember what we saying to Barry Murphy, I'm going to knock it down the middle, I'm going to knock it down the middle. <laughs> Barry Murphy kind of just went slightly over to, to his left and um, Quigg's just high and down, pretty much down the middle, slightly to his right, I think, or something like that. But brilliant stuff. Like, again, being great. a great day, great memories for us all. Like. Um, we've, we had asked people on Twitter um, if they had any questions for you, and I think it's uh, Enda Malloy um, has, or he, he asks, how do you reflect overall on, on um, Rovers' kind of European journeys? Um, you know, should they have done better? Um, or do you think that they performed, the team performed as well as expected over the years? Uh, I, I think, bar the Vlajnia, I think, can you, can you remember Vlajnia? I think, oh. bar that one, that's, that's probably one we, we let go for me personally. I think, like, they, they were by no great shapes at all. Like, if anything, they were, they were, if anything, they were probably trying to lose the game. That's the way it seemed. But they've still managed to win it. Um, but um, for me, other than that, every other European game, I think, you know, the difference between kind of the domestic league and, and playing in Europe is here, here in the domestic league, you know, a player will get a half chance and, and they might take it, you know, they might. You get, you get your Graham Burks, who you see scored wonder goal last night. Players like that will, will finish a half chance, but your average player like myself might might not score, do you know what I mean? A chance. But in Europe, the difference is if they get a half chance in Europe, it, it, it ends up in the net. You know, I go back to the Molder game where I thought we did unbelievable against them. But they got two half chances. Now I mean they were half chances and the striker just punished us. Punished them from, from just a half chance and let and you know we're we're out of the tie because of Jesus, this fella's got a half chance and he, he just need that's all he needed, you know, to, to finish. Whereas us, on the other hand, we might we might have needed maybe two or maybe three or four chances to score. Like so, again, Poltava, we, we did unbelievable against Poltava. I remember Alan Kirby had a great chance at the end yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to you know score. And if he if he scores that, you you're, you know you're you're with a mighty have a fantastic chance with a home tie. Um, you know, going going into the the next the next round of it, and we missed it. You know, and if, if that was the other, if that was them, there was like it was going to end up in the net. And that was for me, that was the big difference in Europe. Obviously, the ball retention is another one that they don't give the ball away so cheaply. But for me, if a half chance comes for a European side, they, they they're fantastic in front of goal. Like. Raf, that moment when you left for Bose, how hard, how hard was that for you to leave? It was obviously a big decision to make because you were absolutely flying for us coming off your best season for us. It was hard for fans to see you go, but naturally you were going to a massive club at the time and I'm sure financially you would have been far better off as well. But how big of a decision was it to go? It, it, it was tough, Shane, uh, Sean, should I say. For me, Jesus, a, a decision that was kind of really down to the last kind of s second where um, look I, I was at the stage in my career I was 27 or 28 I think at that stage uh, mm -hmm. in my career I just had probably the best season of of, of, of my career with, with my hometown club 
and was hoping to go and, and stay in and you know because I knew Cookie obviously Cookie had talked to me and look we're building something I knew something was happening and we were going to go and, tr- and try and you know push on and, and challenge uh, but obviously I the lower of, of, of my age a 52 week contract for two years uh, on probably a salary that I thought I'd never earn in, in football do you know for me, it was an awful decision, a tough decision, you know, to, to leave. But it was one I thought was probably right at the time. And I thought, okay, you know, the, going back on the back of Bo's been double winners of uh, the league and the cup the year before, um, and, and probably riding the crest of a wave at that, at that stage, you know, been the dominant side in, in, in the domestic league in, in that time. So it was tough, but... You know, I don't regret it. I don't 100% because in, 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 in ways it, it made me grow up. You know, it was my first time kind of living away from home and, and as well. And made me see football in a different light. For me, I always seen football up until then as, as a hobby and a sport I love doing. Uh, and whereas then when I went to Dublin, I looked at it a little bit of a different way. Um, I kind of seen it more then. Okay, maybe, you know, this isn't only a sport and a hobby I love. This, these lads, you know, this is work to these lads. This, this is their livelihoods, you know. A lot of these lads, you know, this is the only income they have uh, to pay mortgages and pay stuff like that. So I seen it in a different light like that because obviously the club had hit a bit of a, a financial difficulties, you know, the second half of the season. And a lot of the players were kind of put on the transfer list to, to be let go. Um, I remember even in July that year, Cookie, um, you know, had been always in contact with me throughout the whole season, uh, and he tried to bring me back. Porrick Hammond obviously went to Portugal, and Cookie was trying his best to get me back to the showgrounds, um, you know, in, in July. But uh, Pat Fenlon just just wasn't having any of it, you know. He just says, you know, I brought you here to to, to play and, and to make a difference. I've been kind of injured with a compartment syndrome for the first maybe two months, three months of the season. And he felt that I had something to offer for them for the, for the last part of the season. And um, it turned out that I ended up scoring 10 goals in, in something like 18 or 19 matches for them in, in the end. Um, but it would have been great. It would have been lovely to have came back to the showgrounds. I did try my best to kind of come back and Cookie did try his best. He actually... He had a, an argument with Pat, Pat over kind of wanting me to, to come back and that. But I, look, I could have I pushed it through the, the move if I, if I really wanted to. But I'm not that type of lad. I don't want to cause any, you know, upset or, or be a drama queen or anything like that. I just said, look, leave it as it is. Um, you know, I, I, I've committed to this. I'll, I'll see it out. Um, but then obviously later the next year, um, you know, Pat, Pat had talked to me and says, you know, you can stay here. I, I want you here. He says, but obviously, you know, the club's in financial difficulty. Um, you know, every, every player at that stage was free to go. You know, every, every player was free to move on. And I remember um, uh, Willie McStay actually was the manager of Ross County uh, at that time. And he had been on to me uh, about uh, coming over to, to, to train, obviously, and, and do maybe a two-week a two-week trial with them after the season had finished. And uh, I was due to get on the plane uh, on a Tuesday, I think it was. 
and been out running on a Saturday. I think a Saturday I was running here over over the over the kind of Christmas, and it was absolutely freezing the, the day I was out running. I ended up getting a chest infection <laughs> on on going out running, and that stopped me obviously going and uh, doing going over the, to Ross County and, and and training with them. But look, these things happen for a reason. I always say. And, Look, the rest then kind of after that, I ended up uh, talking to Cookie then again, who, who who brought me back. And we went on and got a great chance to, to redeem uh, losing the cup final in 2009 uh, and winning one then in 2011 with, 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 with Rovers. And look, I, could, I couldn't have written a better kind of thing, you know, for that for me. That was the best kind of comeback I could have ever dreamt of getting to take the winning penalty at the at the very end, you know, of the season, final kick of the game. And for me, Redemption. a moment I won't forget, but like for me, after leaving the year before and, and Rovers winning the cup, you know, and I was at the game as a as a as a supporter, you know. I went celebrating with the lads as if I fucking won the cup as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but, was, it, was, it uh, <laughs> huh? was it difficult to watch? It, it, it was it was a little bit, but I was happy. I was so happy. I, I, I was delighted because you know we lost it in two thousand and nine. The lads went and they went and won it. You know, I, I I says like I went and I celebrated like I won won the bloody thing as well because I remember being in fiddlers when the lads came. You know, and I was in just jumping around, having the crack, enjoying it just like everybody else as a supporter. You know what I mean? And so. But to get to do it then the next year in 2011 for me personally was 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 a great was a great thing you know a nice way to kind of come back and and get the opportunity to to win a cup with your hometown club you know which I thought the previous year you know I said oh Jesus that was my opportunity to win a win a medal you know an FAI cup medal with my hometown club but Jesus I, I, <laughs> it was the next year then to get and do that for me unbelievable stuff. Raf, just to don't be going too much on about balls or that, but just an interesting thing I wanted to know about is when you talk about coming into the dressing room as a young fellow for Sligo Rovers first off, and what was it like going into the balls dressing room? Because you're talking about a team that was at the height of their powers when you signed, and there's a lot of top quality professionals in there who demanded an awful lot. Apparently, the likes of Harry and that. What was that like? Was that intimidating at all as a player going into that environment? It it, it wasn't for me because. That's the way I kind of played as, as a player, you know. I, I knew that, that that expectation was going to be there, that there was going to be demands, you know. Um, for me, that was never something that would ever affect me, you know, put me in doubt of, of my own ability, you know. Um, but by, by God, there was lads there that would demand it off you. And not, not only lads, you know, obviously, um, Pat himself would, would demand the very, very best. Um, Again, the, the club was in, in a, a transitional period, no more than ourselves, kind of in 2014, um, you know, at, at the end of the golden era of the club. The, the club was in a transitional period, as like Dundalk is now, coming off the back of, of a really successful period. And that expectation is always going to be there when you're winning leagues and you're winning cups and you're winning you know, you're on European runs and everything like that. There's always going to be expectation there from the fans, but not only from the fans, from the players as well, you know, because these are successful players. And anyone that comes into that environment 
is going to be expected to be on the same uh, wavelength. Now, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't experienced that winning mentality, you know, yet, because I hadn't won an awful lot as a player until I went in, into that environment. So it was very, very different environment for me to go into, uh, where, you know, every day at training, you know, there was, you know, it was a laugh and there was good banter and everything else. But it was, it was, you know, you were everybody was added in training, the intensity. That was the biggest shock for me, kind of, was the intensity to training. Uh, and probably why I, I ended up with the injury compartment syndrome. Um, I wasn't used to that intensity. Like, the, the, the demands were phenomenal. Like, we used to really, really, you'd be in at half nine in the morning, you know, start at 10 o'clock, uh, you know, not a minute later, bang, straight on 10 o'clock if you're not in the field you, you had a fine like you know even if you were running onto the pitch uh, at, at a minute past 10 you were getting fined you know so it was a real real you know tough environment to kind of go into uh, but again no, no, nothing I wasn't accustomed to because that was me as a player that's what I liked you know and that's the way I played as a, as a player I demanded kind of the most from the, the players around me, but not in a, not in a bad way where I'd be saying, "Hey, come on, you, you know, you has to be better." There's a there's a way. I, I I liked getting the arm around the shoulder myself, so that was my way of doing it for for lads, you know, that were beside me as well. Uh, Rovers are obviously playing Harps next in the league, and um, we want to get your thoughts on the game. But um, how does the move to Harps come about? Do you get a phone call from from Ali, or, or how does that happen? Uh, to, to be honest, I I've been talking to Ollie for maybe about two or three years, and um, previous to that, he had tried to bring me up. You know, obviously, look, I would, I was no spring chicken. I was coming near the end, obviously, to, to, to the latter years of my career. But um, you know, Ollie felt, you know, I I was a good fit. You know, with 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 him up there, and for me. I, he was he was a manager from the from the minute I kind of met him and had the chat to him. There was no bullshit with him, like you know he's he's straight up. There's no messing. He's how what you see is what you get. He tells you how it is. There's no um, bullshit with him. And for me, I like that. And I and I straight away I said, this is the kind of man you know I I could see myself. You know I, I I'd like to play for this this guy. But um, look, it came about. Obviously, I would have loved to have stayed at the showgrounds and, and seen, you know, finish my career. That that wasn't to be, um, you know, and look, that's football. You get on with it. There's no other things than, than you just get on with it. And I was lucky enough to be 37 years of age and still getting a phone call from a manager, you know. A lot of players, you know, mightn't have got that call. Um, so for me, I, I was lucky that I had gotten, a, obviously, from a Premier Division manager, Ali, uh, I had one or two other calls from one or two other uh, managers, but you know, obviously the Herbs fit for me was 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 the one I think I I, I would always kind of said you know he was a manager I wanted to play for, um, and by God Jesus there were two there were two years that I'll never forget for a lot of reasons all most of them good anyways, but you know just the, he's a fantastic character not a, him and Hexy they're they're two unbelievable characters lads they're like. They're, they're, two, they're two lads that do not get the credit they deserve, you know. Yeah. The, the work they put in is, is phenomenal, like, um, you know, the, there's no stone unturned. 
You're not never going into a game where you don't know what your role is and, and what you have to do. But like I said, it, it, it now he's really you know reaping the rewards of of getting the squad a squad a settled squad. You know, obviously, no more than Rovers at Herbs geographically is a hard place to attract players. You know, so it, there's always a big turnaround with players up at Herbs, like there is at Rovers. You know, and. Last year was probably the first year, I'd say, in Ollie's tenure anyways, his eight years there, that he actually got to keep every single player he wanted to keep uh, at the club. Uh, I said, bear myself. <laughs> 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 ah, no, but uh, to be fair, he, he got to keep every single player he, he wanted to keep and Added, added little bits of quality with that as well. And now you see, it's not, you know, it's not by chance they're going on that run and they're on a good run. You know, he knew he had a great squad there and he obviously pushed the boat out this year to, to keep that squad together. And look, no, no more than Liam Buckley, he has kept that, the squad together, you know, for the last couple of years and adding one or two lads here. And look what's happening. You know, there's, there's something good happening. And, and Will, you know, for me, when you get... Romeo Perks, uh, Ryan DeVries, match fit. You know, you tell me a defence in this league that isn't going to fear coming up against them. Young Johnny Kenny, who is only a young lad and has loads to learn. But, you know, there's so much pace and power there between those three lads just themselves that any centre half is just going to be saying, right, you know, we've got our hands full today, you know, so... Look, like I said, they're only going to get stronger, these lads, and, and Rovers in general are only going to get stronger as the season goes on. Rob, I asked Aidan McNeilis a question earlier on, and I suppose he kind of answered it with his director's hat on. Um, you know, like sometimes with Ali, you know, like you might win a game 3-0, and, you know, the, uh, the, the interviewer asks him, well, Ali, that was a great performance there today, and he'd come out and say, no, 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 no. That must have been a bit frustrating at times, was it? I know. Look, he's a realist because look, a club like Herbs, Look, for for me and they have been since Ali's been up there. They're probably punching above their weight, you know. And he knows, like like last season, uh, the first two games we started flying. We were, you know, we started off mighty three points. Obviously against Rovers, we won and went up to Derry and probably should have won that game as well, but conceded the last last kick of the game. Uh, and then COVID happened. So he he knows and he has seen it through his experience where you can be up here and flying and ride the quest of, the crest of a wave, but by God, just like that, it can you, you know it can all come tumbling down. So he he'll think he'll have the lads and the message he would always have given is you know enjoy it while you're there and and, and keep on that run for as long as you can. But by God, when you come off it, it's very, very hard to get back up there. So he'll, he'll, he'll know that, you know, and he, he'll be telling them now here, probably now, and he probably wouldn't like me saying it, but I think the potential to, to push on and, you know, for a European, uh, you know, position this year, look, time will tell. Obviously, different, it's different when, when the midweek games start to come in because... These lads, I, I can remember some of these lads. We were coming back from Cork or Waterford, um, you know, and we'd be getting back at maybe four or five in the morning from Waterford. And I can remember some of the lads saying that they had work at seven o'clock in the morning, you know. 
So these lads had to go to work, you know, after a midweek game the next morning, and then they had to play again on a Friday night or a Saturday night. So, you know, it's it's different in that sense. He knows that when these midweek games and the, the fixture congestion starts getting heavy, that that's when it really affects them. Uh, you know, whereas you have ro- Rovers and uh, Shams and Dundalks and, uh, you know, clubs like that who have the luxury of, okay, we'll see you the next morning, we'll meet you in the pool, we'll get a recovery session done all together, you know. And unfortunately, he doesn't have that, but, you know, he, he does his best. It's, it's so professionally run up there, you know, uh, um, like to have, uh, you know, Chris Rutherford, um, obviously former Rovers player manager, uh, his daughter Nina is up there and she's the nutritionist and she's unbelievable. Like, she, like the prep that goes into her preparing meals, for the lads and just uh, not only for the games, just the build up to the games, the training and stuff like that is, is unbelievable. Like, so there's great stuff going on and, and it's really well, you know, as professionally as run as any, you know, full-time club uh, in the country. With, with all that in mind, Ralph, do you, do you take the league as the crowd he deserves within the media and, and outside with the harp circles, the rest of the league and in the media, do you think he, he gets enough credit for what he does? I think people are giving him, you know, I, I, I think they know he's he's a shrewd operator, like he, he, he is, you know. Um, look, he's as anim- he's passionate, he's animated on the sideline. Hegsy's the same, you know. The, the, these, these are passionate men, you know. No, no more than myself, if I was on the sideline as, as, as a sub, I nearly want, you know, to get on the pitch and, and do something, you know. Um, you know, because they're passionate lads and they don't like losing and, and it hurts when they lose. So, they can get very wound up and animated on the sidelines and the the referees and the, the assistants, you know, the Ford officials can get, you know, they can get, look, they can get frustrated with them. But, you know, they're, for me, I think they are getting the credit now, you know, because, look, it's not by chance that they're going on the run that they're on. Um, and, look, I could be talking to you in three weeks' time and the whole league table could do a massive flip, you know, and... and like I said, there's no he 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 let the lads know that not to get carried away from it. Enjoy it while it's happening, but get as many points on the board as you can now in this run because we need to avoid relegation. That's what he will say. So what's what's going to happen on Saturday? Obviously, it's going to be they're going to go out for leather harps are, um, but what do you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. Um, I you know because. You have you have herbs who are strong, you know, physically, you know, very they they'll, they'll be strong. Whereas um, I think Rovers have added that little bit more bit of steel with um, Greg Bulger, who will you know he won't be bullied in the middle of the park. Uh, so he'll he'll try and stamp his authority in the middle of the park and. For me, I think that could be where it's it's won, you know. And if, if the middle is won by whoever it's won by, I think that's that's who's going to win the game. Um, it'll be a different challenge as well for for the Harps. Obviously, they would have played against Hooban, you know, and, and lads like that. Uh, but a different thing now with, with, with young Johnny Kenny, who's lively, you know, he loves to play on the shoulder. Uh, Romeo, who is a speed merchant, like I said, when he starts, you know, going on all cylinders, it's 
very, very hard stop when he starts moving with the ball. But not only is he is, is he fast, he's awful powerful as well. Uh, you know, if you come and try and knock him off the ball, you're you're doing very well to get him off the ball. Like he's very, very powerful. So, you know, both both teams have a different challenge now. And I, for me, I, I I can't see past a Rovers win. I I could eat me words. You know, I I think Rovers will will have enough. Um, I think, uh, you know. A little bit of experience there with Herbs, you know, probably, like I said, Craig Bolger, lad, that little bit more bit of steel with Rovers. The middle of the park for me is where it's going to be won. And whoever wins that battle in the middle of the park, there's your winners for me on the day. Okay. And um, finally, before we let you go, um, two, I have two questions before we let you go. But what do you think, uh, how do you think Rovers will fare over the, the duration of the season? Obviously, you said... No more than uh, than Harps, they've managed to keep the squad together and build on what they've had uh, from last season. So, <clears throat> and you know, there's opportunity when the league with um, Dundalk definitely regressing, um, Shams potentially or possibly regressing. So, you know, when they when the final shakeup happens, how do you think our Rovers will fare? Well, looking at things now, like you said, you have. Bowes who I probably, and I think, not me, I think everybody would have thought that Bowes were going to be challenging Shamrock Rovers for a league title this year. Now, we're three or four day, three or four games in. So, look, Bowes haven't got the, the results they would have probably hoped to have gotten in the first couple of games. Whereas, I think now you have Rovers who have gotten off to that start, they're confident uh, they know if they can keep obviously suspensions, uh, injuries to a minimal, uh, that they've got a fantastic chance to, to do something. But like for me, it, you're, you're looking to build on last year. So four four position, uh, like without getting you know too above our station or whatever. Your progress is is key, and if you're looking at getting third spot. Uh, your, you know, a good run in Europe, you know, a, a, a cup run. For me, that's progress, you know. But we could be having a different conversation come July, you know. We could be saying, okay, if if Rovers, you know, need, you know, they might have picked up an injury somewhere. Well, if Rovers get such and such a person in, you know, they could really land a league title. So you just don't know again injuries and stuff like that are, are, are the key and keeping everybody fit suspensions down to a minimal um, and that goes across the board that's not just rovers that's your herbs your chamber rovers i don't think they'll have a problem with that because, the, because they've got such a big squad and um, i just don't think i can't see them you know if they lose you know danny mandaru they've got dylan watts and they've got another there that can you know do uh, stuff like you know that can fill in, uh, but you have to look then if if Rovers look lose Craig Bulger, you know he, he's been key to probably what has happened you know over the last the start of the season to to, to Rovers, and they they look to try and keep him as fit and as fresh as as they possibly can. You know you still have got players like David Cawley. David Cawley can for me one of the good players, one of the best players in the league, one of the best players I've played with, he can do it, you know, at, 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 any, at any level. Uh, so, you know, you, you still got that, um, you've got that mix of experience there and them too. And then you've got the young lads, Johnny Kenny, uh, young Byrne, um, Scott Lynch, the younger lads who, 
you know, are just bursting onto the scene now. And look, you can put Ed, Ed McGinty and John Mahan into that it's category in, 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 in a bit. You know, they've, they've a little bit more experience than the other lads I've, I've mentioned, but they're still only young. They're still only young guys, you know. They're still, they're still young players who are learning their trade, but they're getting there at a quicker rate than most, you know. So it's great to see. Yeah. Um, just before I finish up, uh, and just to give the lads a word and uh, if they have a, any last questions. Uh, last question from Twitter. Jerry O'Reilly asks, uh, can you ask Raf what is the secret to a good bag of chips? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, keep, keep the oil fresh. Keeping the oil fresh is, a, is the trick. That's the trick. If you keep the oil fresh, you get a great bag of chips, lads. <laughs> What's your thoughts on air fryers? What's that? Oh, What's no, the air fryers. No, I don't agree with them. <laughs> hey, get, get the grease into them, you know, get the, get the, the proper chips into you. Yeah, all or nothing. All or nothing, yeah. Um, Ralph, thanks a million for your time. It's been, uh, it's been great to chat to you. Uh, it's been a, an incredible career that you've had. So it's, it's lovely to have a um, the chance to speak to you after what's been an incredible two decades in the game. Hopefully we'll check in with you again before the end of the season. We'll get you back on the pod, see how things are progressing with Harps and with Rovers. And aside from that, thanks a million. Thanks for having me, lads. And best of luck the weekend. Look, we'll be all eyes on at the weekend. And we hopefully, look, we kick on. Please, God. That's Rafael Cotaro. Thanks a million to him for the time that he, he gave us. Um, a really in-depth conversation. Uh, there will be, you know, we're, we're part of a generation now, lads, that will say you won't see many like him again Uh and particularly to have such a local a local player with such a, a connection to the club, and he's synonymous with the league, like you know, across the across you know all the. I mean, everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows what he did. Um, you know, his move to Bowls was uh, his move to Bowls was kind of really rubbed some people up the wrong way, didn't it? Like, I mean, it's still not so much today, but in previous seasons, like there's some people out there who still are kind of bitter about it, aren't they? Yeah, I think we were kind of building yeah. something at the time and uh, we, I think it was just disappointment because people wanted him to be part of that. Yeah. And, uh, in fairness, we did. And he actually missed out on uh, reeling in the years last night. Rovers were on for the 2010. <laughs> that has to be a regret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my feeling on it is I kind of thought that he was going to go somewhere bigger than Bulls. I actually thought that he was, he was probably going to go to... Scotland or, or somewhere in the UK. I thought that's how good he was in the time and that season that he had was was that good. That was my kind of issue with it. I thought he's probably better than 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 Bowles, but anyway, I don't know. Um thank okay. God he got that chest infection. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Right. Um okay, so um on Saturday we are home to uh, Finn Harps uh, in the showgrounds, and is, is, a, is it an early kickoff or is it early kickoff? Um, yeah, six o'clock kickoff on Saturday. So, as Raf had said, um, this is a massive game for us, really, because like if we lose the game, it's uh, it's a massive kick in the stones because um, we should be seen as the professional outfit who should be able to deal with um, a, t- a part-time team like Finn Harps, but they're on a serious crest of wave. And as Raf said, they'll be in trying to, you know, get as many points on the board as possible. So they're going to go at us hell for leather. Um, what sort of approach do you think they should take, Magoo? Should they, should, um, should we be kind of st- sitting in for the first t- 20 minutes to see what Harps are like and then, and then go at them? No, we should be just playing our normal game. 
let them be worried about us. But like I've seen, I actually haven't seen, to be honest with you, I haven't seen much of Harps. I saw a couple of highlights and stuff. But things I hear and read, people are saying that they're they're playing good football now. They're playing better football this year, and they're getting the ball down when they when they get a chance and playing around. But like, don't be sucked in by that. Like, you know what you're going to get with Ali Horgan and Harps. They're going to do the nasty stuff well, and you're going to have to earn the right to to be able to play and for better players to play to get on the ball. And I think we're better equipped for that this year with Bulger and Mahan back in the squad and Horgan and you know, so we should be able to. We should be able to take them on at that and then hopefully our extra quality will come out. Same like with Longford, really. Yeah. Although the pitch didn't help that with, well, our, with our extra quality coming out. But we stood, well, we stood up to it. Like. Yeah. Donner, at least I'm, well, I'm kind of glad that this game is in the showgrounds. Um, our first meeting of them was in the showgrounds. So we don't have any kind of, you know, the variable of long grass or dodgy pitch um, won't come into play to benefit Harps. No, definitely, Connor. Um, I think something with Finn Park as well is also it's quite a compact pitch as well. It's not as quite compact as Longford's, but it is quite compact as well. And I think we do need that width. And I think that's how we exposed them last year as well. Um, I'd be quite confident going in against them. And I think I've seen a wee bit of harps now. And they are playing out from the back a wee bit more, but they're also putting a lot of their play through Seymour. And I think that's actually an area that we could really expose them. I think Seymour can dilly-dally on the ball a wee bit too much and put under pressure. I think for us, anyway, in particular, he gave away the ball an awful lot while put under pressure. So I think that's somewhere where the likes, if you have a Walter in maybe at number 10, for that work rate, in and harrying around him and just forcing him into passes, that's he's just going to constantly give away the ball and I think we can expose them there. What are you looking for, Jerry? Uh, well, first of all, look, Harps aren't fully part-time anymore about 50% of the players are full-time although they do train in the evening so let's not be sucked in by this little old Finn Harps uh, kind of mentality either bullshit Terry it's bullshit <laughs> but um, you know I watched I actually watched I think about three other games and they set up exactly the same way same system as what we do the 4-2-3-1 um, they have Mark Coyle and Seymour in the middle of the park uh, Coyle gets through a phenomenal amount of work uh, covers a lot of ground um, and then as Seymour look I think um, what others have said that the we, the game will be won or lost in the, in the middle of the park um, and as Magoo said I think if we can go toe-to-toe go toe-to-toe battling with them I think our quality will come through in the end and uh, I, I think we'll get the win it's not going to be easy but I think we can do it uh, and um, what's the game we're going to have? Is it going to be a physical game? But they, I mean, Harps are, as you said, they begin to play it from the back of it. And there's a bit of cohesion in the squad. They're going to try and play a bit of football. So we might avoid um, that kind of physical encounter. I think, it, I think it's difficult to avoid it, though, isn't it? Um, they're, w- one thing you know is first thing about them is that uh, they are big and strong. They're a big, physical, tr- strong team. And, um, you know, but they've also tried, so like that still is their biggest strength. And, you know, they're still, they're throwing balls in from the halfway line. They're very strong in set pieces and things like that. But when the, the opportunity arises, they can play football too. But, you know, it, make no mistakes. Ollie Horgan is going to set them up for a battle. Uh, they're going to try and rough it up and play well when they can. But, um, yeah, so I think that's what type of game we, we will be physical. Yeah. I think they'll be inviting us on. I think they're going to play for a counter attacking style. 
I think they'll be looking to suck up any kind of pressure that we put on them, us being the home side especially. I think Ollie will be looking to try and get Barry McNamee on the break and try and play Foley in behind then if they can. But I think, uh, you know, I haven't watched a huge amount of Harps either, but the goals that I've seen, has, hasn't Foley scored four? Has he scored yeah. four? He scored four and four. Yeah, he, he's, he, he seems to be um, receiving the ball um, on his tod in the box and putting it away. Like, I mean, he's in fairness to the guy, he's dangerous. Well, we, we have to be on our toes this week. We need we need our forwards to step up this week because, yeah. like, we have, you know, it's it's hard to harps. Like, we know what we want to get, but they're one of the foreign teams at the minute too, though. So they're going to be coming here high in confidence. And as you say, with Foley, a striker banging form too. So if he gets one or two opportunities, he's more than likely going to put one of them away. So we can't be like, we, you know, I hear a lot of stuff. This is still, the weekend is still annoying me. It's so disappointed. But like, I hear a lot of stuff about, oh, we're all right, we're only in third gear and stuff. But like, are we really only in third gear? Like, our defence and midfield have been in fifth gear since the start of the season. They've been, they've been pretty much flawless since the start of the season. And we need more from the front. Like, we need to find a system. And whether that be one of them doesn't play or uh, just to move around positions or something, I don't know what it is. But we need to, at this weekend, now in the next game or two, whoever's going to be playing number nine for the season, whether it be Johnny or Freeze or whoever, we need to get them on the score sheet big time in the next game or two. We have to. We can't keep... If this goes on any longer, then it's going to start eating away at people and... And like we, this this crowd too of the freeze is only back. He's like he's he's been on he's been back in training now five weeks nearly this week. Yeah, like it's it's time to start seeing something. And Romeo has an extra two or three weeks on him, like so. You know we can't be using that as an excuse anymore. We need to find ways of getting like we know they can do it. We know, but I guess, I guess we just need to find a, a way and system of getting out of them. Yeah, I guess I guess. Um... I guess, you know, if you put it into the context of what happened last season, um, Buckley wants, I, I'm going to guess that he wants absolutely rock solid back four um, as a starting point. And, you know, maybe he's he's reliant on um, the attacking players kind of starting from a defensive position um, and adds, maybe, he, maybe Buckley is going to allow um, a little bit more um, attacking spirit as as the season progresses once he's comp once the, the confidence in the back four is at a certain position and um, which it's got to be up there right now like you know they've been pretty flawless apart from the shams going maybe there's been very few mistakes really to 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 be overly worried about and like you know i think he's allowed that though. I, think, that? I think he's allowed the the attacking players that license to to go and attack and we have a solid base to work from but yeah. in the in there, there's not like you know, I, I know we can share the goals around the attacking players, but that's not even happening. And you know, I think Romeo needs to start up top or Johnny, and then the rest three, the other three can you know interchange, but you can't keep going like a merry go round every week where one's up front every difference. <clears throat> yeah, you know, we need to get someone up top, right? You're the number nine, and this is your I don't know, your deputy or whatever, and get the other three interlinking. Or so it's what it sounds like we're looking for. Sorry, Jerry, go ahead. You just can't keep changing it, you know. We need to, but, but in fairness, to the, we need to start scoring as well. Yeah, but he's, he, there hasn't been a lot of change, but maybe there does need to be. Maybe it's time to put Romeo into the number nine position, give Kenny a break, and it's as you said, Magoo, the freeze is time to step up. And that's that's our, you know, the Figuera, 
DeVries and and Walter and uh, and Romeo, I mean, experience wise, they should be starting every game. Well, probably. Like I, you know, I if he's if Johnny is going to be your number nine, then I think Walter has to play number ten probably because Johnny wants to play on the shoulder. I think Walter's probably the out of the, the other three, the man who can see the pass the quickest, probably, and is you know he can do it with one or two touches and. He has the ability to do it. Like we saw in Waterford, in fairness, he nearly got it through a couple of times, Johnny. And, you know, but if, you, if you're going to go a different way, like, I, I don't see how Johnny can't start this weekend with what we saw in the second half. Like, it's no coincidence. Why, why, does he, why does he have to start? Well, I don't think Ryan did anything in the second half to warrant more than, than Johnny did. But how, what, I think we actually, I think we fell off a bit in the second half against Shams. Now, how, I'm not saying Shams when he just up the tempo, but I... So how, how I think Johnny's work rate was missing in the second half. How was De Vries going to, you know, get an opportunity to prove himself if he's going to be getting bits and pieces off the bench? But he had forty-five minutes. I I think it's a wee bit harsh on the Vries to be honest with you. I think match fitness is everything, and the only way you get oh, match. It is, but I'm saying, Sean, he's, he's five. He's he's five weeks now. Like but he's, he's not fighting. Yeah, but he's, but he hasn't. But he hasn't been getting the games like twenty minutes here and there. And I mean, you got forty-five gar- granted at the weekend, but partially. Well, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that he won't be the number nine going forward for the rest of the season, but I'm saying for this weekend, I can't see how, to me, I'd say Johnny would probably still have a start. Jerry and Sean spoke to uh, Aidan McNeilis from Finn Harps, big uh, Finn Harps fan, and he's been involved heavily with the club over the last number of years. So we'll get um, Aidan's thoughts and we'll come back after that and um, we'll, we'll get our final thoughts on the Finn Harps game and we'll have a brief conversation then about um, our next fixture, which will be Bowles which we played before our next pod comes out. We have Aidan McNeilis here with us this evening. Uh, so Aidan is uh, a Finn Harps fan, uh, a volunteer and a director. So he's got lots of jobs at Finn Harps on the go. So uh, first of all, just like to thank Aidan for, for joining us this evening. How are you, Aidan? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. You must be deli- delighted with the start to the season. Yeah, it's absolutely, you know, it's, it's dream stuff. Uh, you know, we did come into the season... There was a buzz around Harps this year and a feeling that with the way we finished the previous season, um, you know, we, we had momentum there. And for once, we didn't have a lot of squad turnover. And we kind of felt that you know, we probably got a bit stronger with some of the players that we did add. And we had that bit of continuity and then we added a little bit to it. And we kind of felt, you know, there was a bit of feel good going into this season. Now, I don't think anybody really was thinking we'll get six points out of six here and we'll take it from there. But yeah. we did feel there was a potential for a decent season. But, you know, it, it's probably gone beyond expectations. But you know, it's not we're not as surprised as maybe some people think we should be. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, it's still it's still a brilliant start and uh, scoring plenty of goals. And um, I think Aiden uh, Adam Foley has four goals in four games. He's he's flying it. Yeah, Adam. It's one of those Ollie Horgan signings, right? Where you, um, I didn't know much. I didn't know, I'll be honest, right? I didn't know anything about Adam Foley before he yeah. came to Harps. Um, you know, we were looking up videos of him playing for New York City and stuff, and you're going, yeah, this guy looks a player, like, but I'm not sure what the standard he's coming from is like. And then, you know, he started, his very first game was down in uh, Waterford last year where we got, you know, our first yeah. win in a while. And it was one of those games where it gave us a real bit of momentum. We got two late goals. Um, he came on late in that game. And, you know, I was part of the media team and I was chatting to him afterwards. 
And uh, you just, <laughs> when you're standing next to him, you suddenly get very conscious of uh, one's own tendency towards being spherical. Um, Adam, <laughs> Adam is uh, very well, <laughs> he looks after himself very well, right? And, uh, you know, since he's come in, he's just got better and better. You know, he, he worked his way into the team, maybe coming into this year, you know, he got some vital goals last year coming into this season. Maybe, you know, people are looking at some of the other guys in the squad and going, maybe they'll be your first choice. But, uh, you know, what a response to that is to go out and, you know, get four goals in four games. You know, it's it's dream stuff. And he really is playing very, very well. It's great watching him at the minute. Yeah, he's 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 a big guy, but he's, uh, he's quite mobile and, and go with his feet as well, by the looks of things. Yeah, absolutely. He's... he's Quick, um, I was chatting to a few people. I was at the game in Drogheda, and they were saying how surprised they were that you know it wasn't sort of the picture they had of him in their heads. That uh, actually he had, you know, he's got a pretty all-round game, and obviously he's just in he's in flying form at the moment. That that finish against um, Waterford last weekend was real top quality stuff, and it, you just kind of feel at the moment if the ball drops for him, then good things are going to happen. Yeah, because um, I actually watched the. Um your game against Waterford last night after the, the Derry game. And um, I th- just from watching the game, it, was, it seemed to be very, very tight for the first first half. Um, I know you went behind uh, against Waterford, probably a little bit against the run of play. But the one thing I noticed about, um, about Adam was that, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of chances in the game, but the first chance he got, he scored. Yeah, absolutely. It was a kind of a funny game last week. It probably felt we were on top up until they scored and then we really yeah. we kind of wobbled a little bit after that and it almost felt like Waterford could could go further ahead and then you know there's some great work in the build up there um, Barry McNamee on the edge of the box and Carlos Sullivan and then you know when the ball comes down he comes back inside and you know from the angle I was at and I think it's on the uh, Pixelot cameras you know it was like he used the the defenders almost to shield what he was doing from the goalkeeper, um, yeah. and another another cracking finish. You know, there's a real opportunism about him. We've seen that, like with the with the first game where the Bo's defender left a pass a little bit short, but like he was right yeah. on there. And yeah. and again in Dundalk, you know, watching that goal back, he was a long way away when um when the Dundalk goalkeeper took that touch, and you know he, he's reading the game really well. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's good, good place to be for us. Yeah, I think the three lads in behind him, uh, McNamee, Carlos Sullivan, and Mark Russell, they seem to have great movements and, uh, and a great backup to to join in with Adam. Yeah, and they can be quite fluid as well. They can swap positions during the game. Yeah. And we do have that a little bit of quality about us that um, and a bit of depth that we maybe haven't always had in previous years. Um, you know, even you know in our first game. We lost Connor Barry and Ryan Connolly, who both started. Uh, you know, we both we lost both of those, and they have they haven't been back yet. I'm not quite sure when they will be back, but that we could take two starters out of the team in the first week and continue in good form kind of says something about where we're at this year. You know, the three boys you mentioned, um, you know, playing some great football. In behind them, Mark Coyle is is absolutely flying. Just. The amount of work he got through in that game, the amount of ball he won, um, he he's just he's covering some amount of ground, and he's probably he's in the form of his life at the moment. Uh, it's great, great to watch him. Yeah, 
just looking as well from from last night's game, and I watched uh, a good bit of the other games as well. Harps have kind of modified, and I don't mean this as in a bad thing, but they've kind of modified their style of play. They're mixing it up a little bit more, uh, more playing out from the back and things like that. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's a fair comment. I think we've been evolving, you know, even last year and into this year, we're you know, there is that bit more quality there and we've got more more players who are very comfortable on the ball. And that, that really goes from from back to front, right? You know, you got Shane Magalini there at the back and um, serious passer of the ball. And you know, you've got your Barry McNamese and you know that's you know, we haven't always had so many players who are comfortable on the ball. Uh, you know, I think at times we've been probably underestimated. Um, and, you know, all the Hurgan teams tend to be underestimated at times. But, uh, yeah, we're playing some good football this year. The, the games have been very tight. You know, let's not get completely carried away either. You know, that Waterford game, if they'd got that second goal, things are different. You know, got ahead in the bows and the dock games with mistakes. But, you know, you got to take your chances and then you got to keep the other guys out. So... There's a lot of good things happening, but you know, we're not getting carried away that we're suddenly world beaters or anything. Aidan, sure. in regards to Ali, um, you know, there has to be an awful lot of credit given to him with the evolution of the team this season, especially. I think he became a bit of a, I don't want to say a joke, but a bit of a kind of a character throughout the league and people didn't take him as seriously as maybe they should have because of the, when you look back, he's done an amazing job with Harps with the restraints of the budget he's had over the years. But to see now where they're going from this season on, it's, you know, he, I think a lot more respect needs to be put on his name. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been <laughs> I've been with Harps for a long time at the stage, and I, I remember where we were at when Ollie came in, and we were lower mid-table in the first division for a number of years, and... Uh, that's not a whole lot of fun. <laughs> and, you know, since since Ollie came in, you know, we started off and the first season. I think we made a cup semi-final. You know, the league form improved, but you know, maybe dipped towards the end. And you know, from then on, you know, we probably evolved towards that classic um, yo-yo team status. Um, that you know, sometimes people associate with us even when we're not a yo-yo team. Like in the period before when we'd sort of done nothing in the first division, people would still refer to us as that. Then you know. We had the big night against Limerick and we get up against the odds and you're battling in the Premier Division to stay up and then like you know, down again, up again, um, stay up in a playoff. Last year, stay up without a playoff. Um, and then, you know, hopefully maybe pushing on this year. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where it all takes us. It's been, you know, it's been a long curve for Ollie and for the club. You know, we're trying to build year on year. None of it's easy. You know, there's always setbacks, but you know, at the moment, definitely, you know, it's a, it's a good time for Harps. There's, a, there's a, a lot of positivity around. Yeah, is it a little bit frustrating at times? Uh, you know how you're saying about uh, people kind of underestimate Harps and uh, and that, and kind of be a little bit frustrating listening to Ali at times with his, you know, his kind of his own form of put downs on you. Ollie is what Ollie is, right? It's, you know, there's no point getting frustrated about anything. You know, he's got his outlook on the world. Um, you know, he, he's clearly an excellent manager. Yeah. That's that's the main thing, right? You know, it, there's 
you know, I can see what you mean. And you know, maybe maybe some of that helps us be underestimated, which you know can can be a good thing for us as well. So wouldn't wouldn't worry about that too much, you know. Yeah, I suppose I'm just kind of coming at it from the point of view of where the League of Ireland can be a hard sell, and sometimes you know uh, we should talk ourselves up more than maybe kind of talk ourselves down and just trying to sell it to the Donegal public. But I suppose look, um, he's done a magnificent job over the years, and I'm. Hopefully now you're kind of getting uh, the fruits of that. Yeah, well, you know, there's you know there's pre-match comments and stuff, but for me, the abiding memory would be some of those really big nights, like that night against Limerick, um, where we were playing. You know, Limerick at the time were full time. They'd had yeah. a terrible start to the year, but in the second half of the year. Uh, I think in their last 12 games, they were second best team in the country. You know, they got out of bottom spot and they were absolutely flying. They were back at Markets Field. I remember arriving in there for the playoff game and we were late because our supporters boss had had two blowouts on the motorway. <laughs> um, yeah, we nearly died. But anyway, we got to the game <laughs> and it was amazing. Um, that Just the, the size of the crowd and the noise and the atmosphere. And uh, you're thinking like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, this is yeah. this doesn't even feel like League of Ireland. And uh, then we beat them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and do you know what? None of us were that. Uh, well, most of us weren't that surprised, right? Once they once we got through that first game, and we even almost equalised in that. But we felt coming back to that home leg, going, you'd smell a bit of blood in the water here. And then that that night at home was magic. You know, the following season, our first game of the season is at home to Derry City. There's a huge crowd. We win that. Um, you know, nights like that count for an awful lot more. There's a substance in that, like giving people memories that they never forget. Like anybody who's there for the band to go will never forget that. That's the magic of football, right? Yeah. That yeah. out of nowhere, you can have these incredible stories and these incredible moments. Um, and the progress the club has made. And, you know, you know, we've our stadium news now. Um, you know, we're we're trying to expand our training facilities. The academy has really, you know, it's come on leaps and bounds in recent years. And I mean, it's not that long ago that we didn't have that much on that front. Um, so you know, the club as a whole has been growing, and there's a huge amount of work going in from a lot of people. And I know, like you guys at Sligo, you know, it's it's not dissimilar, right? They're, the clubs are quite similar in their yeah. setup. We're both co-ops. There's a lot of volunteers involved. You know, so it's been. It's been a huge collective effort, but you know, I think if you don't have the manager there um, producing the goods on the field, it is still the first team that tends to energize the whole thing. So, yeah. you know, when the first team is going well and is battling and is really representing us, you know, whether they're battling at the bottom or trying to get up or now trying to push on, if you get a team that you feel really goes out and battles for you, you know, that that gives everybody a lift. You know, it just drives you on to keep going. Yeah, I think that's the the beauty of um, supporting your local team and that you have that connection um, and it's the, the the beauty of the League of Ireland you know just like the nights that you touched on there with, with uh, BJ getting the goal against Limerick and stuff like that and definitely as as uh, Rover supporters we can definitely associate with that and we, as clubs we might not always be winning loads of trophies but uh, I think there's always special nights uh, in every season and it's uh, you know they're, they're just uh, the best ones you know uh, just to bring in Sean there. Uh, not just I wanted to get Aidan's view now on the game ahead of the weekend, just to 
how you're treating this derby game? Uh, well, you know, I was speaking to a few of the players earlier in the year and they're like, every game's the same. Every game's the same. We treat them all the same. Um, I think we'd be conscious going into it that there's suddenly three games in six days. That's a big ask, right? So yeah, um, I'm not sure how exactly that affects your preparation for the first game, you know, but it's definitely, it was definitely on the minds um, after the game last week. But, you know, We've, we've been in great form. If we can get a result at the showgrounds, then you know to, to go five games unbeaten at the start of the year would be fantastic. Um, we'd be under no illusions. I think the last time we were at the showgrounds didn't go so well. <laughs> we collected a few cards that night. I think actually Rob Harvey, I saw him outside the house. He tried to book me. Um, it's just, that was a bit of a weird one, right? But um, it's, been, it's been an amazing start to the season. We're, you know, we're in good form. Sligo have started very well as well. You know, it's great to see. Um, it's you know, we're just a few few of us were discussing that today. Like, could you imagine what this would be like if people could go? You know, um, honestly, like I'm based in Galway, and if if people could go to this game, I would drive to my hometown of Bunkrana, and I would get the away supporters bus from Bunkrana to the game. <laughs> and I would come back somewhere, come back that yeah. day after. You know, because it would just be so much, so much crack, and the atmosphere would be so good. But yeah. Look, we are where we are. At least, you know, we've got the football to distract us from all the other nonsense that's going on. And, you know, long may the good form continue. And I suppose just to round off with the uh, the news of the um, the provisional funding of four million for uh, for uh, the community stadium there in Stranoller. It's good news. It's fantastic to to get to that milestone at last. You know, we've had a lot of frustration around this. The project's been ongoing for a long, long time, and you know, great credit to the grounds everybody involved in the grounds committee and like, you know, some of them have been soldiering on that front, um, you know, for those 12, 13 years, whatever it is now. Um, you know, it's a big milestone, um, gives us momentum again, you know, there's a lot of work ahead to, um, to find how we're going to, you know, top up the funding to the, to the extent that we can get the whole project finished. But, you know, it's definitely, it's a great thing. You know, it's just such a relief to finally have it have it happen, you know, because we've had disappointments. We kind of expected to be in the in the last announcement of sports capital grants last year, and that didn't happen for whatever reason. So to get that over the line, it's a huge thing. And you know, we've got to drive on now, and we've got to make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it can only be good for uh, football in the northwest as well. So good luck to you on that, and hopefully absolutely. we won't be too far we won't be too far behind you in, in that regard. So that's it, McNeilis. Um, I guess, you know, they're focusing on something similar to us, the opportunity to keep a team together and to build from that point. So um, final thoughts uh, ahead of the, the Harps game, Jerry. A must win. Will, will we win? Yeah, I think we will win. I think, um, as I said earlier, I think our quality will be the in the middle of the park will be the difference. Um, I think up to that, player for player, we're not too too much different. But definitely the, the middle of the park. So I'd like to see us win, you know, probably maybe one nil. Sean, will you be would you be setting the team up the same way as uh, as against Shams or personnel wise anyway? Personnel wise, probably take a wee bit of stick for it, but I'd actually take Johnny out of the side. I'd um, I'd give Ryan the I'd give Ryan the free to go. I think he needs the minutes, and I think it'd be especially coming up against a very physical back four like Harps. I think you. He'd be more suited to it. So I'd like to just see the freeze come in for Johnny and maybe drop the freeze into the 
number 10 spot and play Romeo's the number nine instead. I'd, I'd like to leave Walter out on the left. I thought he was very, very good against Shams there. Yeah. I think he could be quite effective cutting in on his right foot as well. Uh, McGoo and Morahan and, and Bulger are more than enough to win the midfield battle, are they? Um, well, yeah, I would hope so. After a performance against Shams, anyway. Like I said, I haven't seen I haven't seen much of Hearts, but if they're only playing two in the middle, you know, I'd be fancying Greg and, and Niall up against most lads uh, in a two-on-two. Two. So, if they can come out on top, I think, hopefully that should mean we come out on top. Two sitting deep and then three in front of them and then one up top. So, it's very much going to be like for like, man for man. So, I think that'll stand to us. Yeah, okay. So, we're um, we're into bowls then on the following Tuesday. Uh, on the weekend, Bulls play Waterford. Um, what's going to happen there? Bulls will be Waterford, really. It's a tough one down there for them. Waterford have got their first win, so... Yeah, we've seen what it was like going down there. Um, it's not going to be the easiest place in the world to go. They're they're organised, and let's be honest, Bulls haven't set the place alight so far this season, so... Yeah. I, I'd say they'd be lucky to take a draw away from it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I'd be happy to see if they drew down there you know, keep both Bulls and Waterford maybe in their place and it gives an opportunity to take them on then when um, when Tuesday comes around and yeah. um, and we travel to Dublin. I mean, it's hard, I mean, what can you say really about the game? And there's an awful lot of things that happen so early in the season between now and then. I guess the most important thing is you want to, you want to, you want to have a fit team, team as fit as possible. Sean, if we're winning, if we're, if we're 2-0 up at halftime against uh, Harps and you're taking players off, don't think we're at that stage yet. It's only early doors. If players are in that bad need of a rest already, something's not right. Um, no, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too worried about resting players. But bear in mind, though, we have a lot of players on the bench that are looking for minutes yeah, and a lot of quality on the bench. So there's not. it's one thing we can take. There isn't that much of a drop-off in terms of quality for what's coming off the bench. What do you think? I mean, would you be, like to, would you be hoping to see Banks get a couple of minutes between over the next two games? Oh, I know. If it's not broke, don't fix it, isn't it? Yeah. The way it is, I think Corrigan's having a storming start of the season, so I wouldn't be going messing around there now unless unless it needs to. Unless, like, you know, obviously physios and strength and conditioning coaches and everything will know more than us. Like, so they'd be probably saying, look, this fella's he's pushing it a bit or he's feeling something here and there, you know, so lads might have to get rests or, you know, if 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 the chance, they might be telling the guy after the chance arises, give this lad a rest, you know, he needs, he needs, Things are tight here and there, or he's just he's been pushed to his limit. So you never know. But if it's if the if if for all is right, then no, I wouldn't be changing anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, listen, just a reminder as well that the aftermath aftermath reception will take place on YouTube. Is that what you're calling it? Yeah. yeah. Very good. Um, it'll be taking place on YouTube directly after the Finn Harps game. Is it directly after? Ten minutes after? You need a couple of minutes to get your get yourself. Eight fifteen. 8.15. Okay, so the lad will be on YouTube discussing uh, the game and they'll be looking for your comments and for you to uh, check in with them. The YouTube thing is going really well. Like you're getting up, what are you on? Are you on 500 views for last week? Yeah, 500 views so far. So it's proven to be popular enough. And look, as I say, it's just a wee bit of crack. It's not over analyzing the game or anything like that. It's just giving a brief synopsis and a bit of crack, get the comments going. And yeah, it's look, it's as if we could just go to the pub after the game and have a chat about what we just saw. Yeah. I mean, exactly what it says in the tin. Yeah, it's yeah. mass reception. Some people have raised issue with the language that you're using, Sean, are they? Yeah, they've clearly never sat beside me in the showground. So. <laughs> and the other thing to say uh, in relation to the club is um, that the on Wednesday, so after the Bulls game, uh, uh, the day after the Bulls game, on the 21st, 
um, the last uh, Cyber Robert bingo session, virtual online bingo session is going to take place. Um, all the details are available on cyberrovers.com and you can get your um, by your cards, the 12, 12 and 24 euro, a single card for 12. So single, single book is 12 and a double is 20. Okay, and this is the last one for the next while anyway, so yeah. we've got with a bang. Plus as well with that, Connor, the prize money has been increased from 1,300 up to 2,000. And it's gone from eight games, sorry, six games up to eight games. All right, okay. But, uh, a much, a, even bigger chance of winning a, a cash prize. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think we're going to wrap things up, are we? Have we covered everything that we want to cover? Just uh, a shout out as well to the Forza lads who done the crowd covers for the game against Shannon oh, as well. Yeah, they're good. good. and fair play to them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that looked great. Yeah, they did look great. Um, somebody was worried about the wind um, that there was a good custom wind there could take the whole stand. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, thanks to our sponsors, the uh, White Hag. Just a reminder to get your photographs in to be able to chance to win a case of their wonderful brews during the Finn Harps game. Um, just uh, post your photograph to Twitter, uh, tag the Bitter Red Supporters Trust and tag the White Hag and be inventive. And they don't necessarily have to feature cans of White Hag, although we can clearly see how popular the White Hag is as a, as a, a bit of liquidation during the... Um, during uh, Rovers games and uh, just to mention again uh, Barry Creed solicitors in Sligo and Dublin um, who have come on board uh, as a sponsor as well um, so we're really grateful for that and with that we will talk to you well so you're going to talk to everybody after the, the Harps game and you'll talk to them again I guess after the Bulls game we'll talk to you then on next Thursday morning so that's a wrap thanks a million Magoo cheers Connor cheers lads thanks, thanks Connor Donner thank you Thanks very much, Connor. See you, lads.